Hey, race fans, this is Daryl Waltrip. You know, I won the first NASCAR All-Star race, and I've won three cup championships, and I'm in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But being part of the Scott Hamilton Show, well, that's really big. Listen to it every day right here on ESPN Charleston, and boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. I'm uh, continuing to look at my list of best and worst from the holiday weekend. Offensive line play keeps popping up. I saw a lot of bad offensive lines, which I found to be a little shocking. I don't really know how to explain it. By the way, Georgia's good. Georgia's good. You don't, you don't need to worry about Georgia dropping off. It was a great weekend. It was a great opening weekend. We had... A little bit of everything. As I said to open this show, we had blowouts and close games and overtime games and high-scoring games and low-scoring games. Iowa is still Iowa. The turnover fairy still lives in Iowa. I want to know what our friend thinks about it. What was his takeaway from the weekend? Joining us on the Say Tama Hotline, our buddy Peter Burns of the SEC Network. Peter, how are you? Scott, what's up, buddy? Um, it's funny you talk, talk about offensive line play because I started thinking about like week two and like some of the matchups, and I'm like, dude, there's there's some teams that got to get right in a hurry with their offensive line. I mean, LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky, like you know, here in the SEC, yeah, you have the Alabamas and Georgias that look pretty damn good, but there's a there's a lot of film study going on for a conference that that you know still look pretty good going 13 to one over the weekend. Texas A&M. Averaged 3.4 yards a carry against Sam Houston. I mean that that sums it up perfectly. And and Peter, did you did you realize this LSU's offensive line? And I know Brian Kelly is trying to do what he can with what he has, and we'll discuss that in a moment. A G5 transfer. They have a guy from Florida International, an FCS transfer, a guy from East Tennessee State, and a true freshman. That they those three guys are starting on the offensive line in the Southeastern Conference. That's not going to get it done. And a center who's never played the position of center ever before. That was his first game. And, yeah, I mean, that it goes to show you what, you know, what Brian Kelly was inheriting um, after he was hired. And, you know, you know me, Scott. I'm, I'm a diehard LSU fan. I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so it was crushing to watch LSU lose the way they did after the incredible comeback. But I didn't expect this team to be great. You know, I, I expected it to be a, you know, 7-5 and five type season. And that was a coin flip game they lost. But, you know, people are freaking out and, and, oh, it's Brian Kelly and what a horrible hire. I'm like, well, if that play changes, right, if all of a sudden, you know, Brian Kelly decides to go for two and they get it or they kick the extra point and they go into overtime and win that game, we're talking about one of the best comebacks in LSU football history and one of the biggest debacles uh, of Florida State had in college football. So, you know, the narrative building and after week one is always – it's fun to do, but rarely does it actually hold some weight. Peter, how good's Georgia? Oh, they're so good. I mean, <laughs> it, it was – you know, it was – you know, I, I use this phrase a lot that it's the same throne, just new dragons. And that's really what it was in, in kind of Game of Thrones type deal where they just looked the part. You know, they get off the bus, they look differently, and then when you watch them move cohesive like a, a just a unit, it's just – it's scary. And, you know, and, and what's scary is the confidence that Stetson Bennett has. He has this kind of swagger, this demeanor about him, and, and rightfully so, when he knows he has arguably one of the best wide receiver cores in the country. And, and 
wide receiver, I, I include tight ends because that tight end room is probably better than some of the tight end rooms that they have on, on NFL uh, locker rooms right now. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Stetson Bennett, I, this guy, 25 of 31, 368 yards. And, and I know it's an Oregon team that's not like the Oregon teams that contended for national titles. I know there's a coaching change, but still, that was the number 11 team in the country. And Stetson Bennett looked every bit a Heisman Trophy candidate, like legit candidate. Why do we sleep on Stetson Bennett? Um, just because we, it's almost kind of like Sal. Sometimes we look at Alabama, we just assume them to be good. I think for Stetson, you know, a lot of people were on to new and bigger and better things. A lot of people thought last year, Scott, they won in spite uh, of, of Stetson, that Stetson was kind of this game manager. But, you know, you go through and look at the numbers of what he did against Michigan and what he did against Alabama and the numbers he put up in, in the playoffs and this opener – those are three ranked teams, and he didn't throw an interception, um, had a boatload of touchdowns, and the percentage uh, completion was really, really good. So he's going to get that love. I mean, they play Sanford this weekend. He should be able to put up monster numbers, and he will get that love this year, um, and rightfully so. I mean, they're just they're absolute beast of a team, and they're 1A, 1B, right along with Alabama as, as the class of college football. We're joined by Peter Burns, SEC Network. Follow him on Twitter at Peter Burns ESPN. Peter, I, I hate, you know, again, it's week one and we're going to have all these reactions, but I, I went into the weekend absolutely positively convinced that not only was Utah a really good team, and I still think Utah's a really good team, but I felt like that was the most important game in the history of Utah football, given everything at stake, uh, winning the Pac-12 uh, going to the playoff, making a statement on a grand stage, and that what it would do would solidify Utah's future or at least help them position themselves better if the Big Ten were to keep expanding. They might look a little longer at Utah, and then they go into the swamp and lose. And I, I was taken aback by that. I was shocked. But it also made me think, you know what? Maybe Billy Napier is uh, a little better than I expected. Maybe he's ahead of schedule. What's your take? Well, I mean, I think the thing is for, for – and I, I'm with you on, on Utah. I think they're a, a solid team. I think – I don't know if they're a national title contending team, but they're, they're, they're really – they're a good team. I, I think the difference with Billy Napier is that, um, you know, he came in and his culture was about, hey, let's make sure we don't have guys that transfer out. I want you to be here. I want you to build something special. And, and it goes to show you if you have a special quarterback, you've got a chance. Right. I mean, you, you've got an upset alert waiting to happen, and that's what happened. I mean, Anthony Richardson, we saw flashes of it last year, but he wasn't quite ready. You know, I mean, you know, people were Florida Gator fans are like, oh, we need to see him over Emory Jones. Well, flat out, you know, uh, you know, he wasn't quite ready. He needed a full spring. He needed to be healthy. He needed to have fall practice to be the quarterback that he was going to be. And, and we saw that. So, you know, they have a great matchup in which I thought coming up this weekend that Kentucky was going to be a better squad than, than Florida. But going back to how you started the segment, Kentucky's offensive lines, I knew going into the year were going to be an issue, and it already showed it was a major issue um, against Miami of Ohio. And I, I think Florida's got the upper hand in the swamp coming up in week two. All right, Peter, let's talk about Shane Beamer and his level of awesomeness when he saw the uh, scoop and score after the block punt. Uh, the man loses his mind. He, he doesn't hold back. But, but I'm, I'm of this thought, though, Peter, that you can't live on that kind, of, that kind of line against the SEC. Being able to do that, win games thanks to your special teams with mediocre offensive line play, mediocre quarterback play against Georgia State is one thing, but trying to do it against Arkansas is another 
what are the margins for uh, South Carolina when it comes to uh, being good or maybe being an also ran? Yeah, I mean, you, you those things, it was a grinded-out victory, right? I mean, Georgia State, for those who don't know, that's a pretty solid team. I mean, Sean Elliott, you know, I know they don't have the big brand name, but they won back-to-back bowl games, and, and you know, he used to be on that South Carolina staff, so there was an extra little motivation for him. Um, but they did enough to make it an easy win because of that special teams. But, you know, they're another team that offensive line at play was, was not great. Spencer Rattler was running for his, you know, his life all day long. And I expect Arkansas to have a bunch of success against that offensive line. Now, the issue is they got to find a way to get Spencer Rattler out of the pocket more, and they've got to find a way to take advantage of, of Catalan. Jalen Catalan probably going to be out for some extended time. And, you know, he's the All-American safety and kind of the, the captain of that deep defense along with Bumper Pool for Arkansas. So, man, they – they have to kind of – I would like to see them go a little bit, you know, four wide, five wide, and really try to put some pressure on that secondary. I just don't know if their offensive line is built for that uh, on, on a road game yet. And, Peter, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, and I don't want to keep you all day either because I know you're a really big deal and you have a lot to do today, so I don't want to, I don't want to tie you up. <laughs> but but I, I don't know if you happen to have next week's schedule in front of you. And, and I'm looking I at – do you have, okay, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm, I'm going to try not to make it too complicated. Give me your top four games because there are about six games on the docket that any Saturday could be number one game, you know, attention-wise, but I'm having a hard time picking which one I want to focus on. Yeah, I mean, the one that I want to focus on the most is not going to be necessarily the biggest, but I find it to be most interesting. It's going to be Pitt and, and Tennessee. You. you know, that was a good game last year, and I love what the Vols have done. They've got a couple extra days off to kind of get prepared, and you know, that game coming up at, uh, uh, at 3.30, I think that's kind of going to be, end up being the game of the weekend. After that, I end up probably having that Florida-Kentucky game. I mean, Kentucky and Florida – um, they've had some great games coming up the last couple of years. And in the swamp, can they go back-to-back? Back? That will be great. Arkansas, obviously hosting South Carolina, will be a good one. And, and listen, Alabama and Texas is going to be unique. And, and the reason why I say that is that I'm, I'm, I think Texas is going to look at this and go, all right, how far are we away from really truly being able to compete in the SEC? And I think they're going to get kind of a wake-up call and going, all right, you know, this we're not quite ready. And I think that plays in the trenches. So, you know, I, I have Alabama and Texas. I know College Game Day will be there, but it's probably the fourth or fifth most interesting game coming up this weekend at the SEC slate. I'm looking at App State at Texas A&M, and I know they could say it's a knee-jerk reaction or yep. anything like that, but given, as we alluded to earlier, Texas A&M's woeful offensive line play, if they get into a situation where they're having to play basketball on turf with, with the Mountaineers, I think that could be a uh, disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, I, and, and I don't believe that. Just and, and the only reason why I disagree with that is that A&M didn't try to run the ball in week one. They, they wanted to get Haynes King involved, so they decided, hey, we're going to throw the hell out of the ball. And I think even Jimbo looked back and he goes, all right, we tried to force that a little bit too much. And, you know, I mean, App State coming off in a highly emotional loss at home, and now they got to go on the road to Kyle Field. I mean, you know, their defense is atrocious right now. So I, I expect A&M to be able to throttle them. It's fairly interesting. I the team that hasn't gotten enough love right now is Mississippi State, and nobody will probably watch that game because I think it kicks off at 11 o'clock Eastern. But don't sleep on Mississippi State. I, I think they, they beat the ever-living hell out of Arizona, and then I think that they'll have some serious success in week three against LSU. Peter, you ever been to a Whistling Straits golf course? Uh, one of my favorite courses in the country, absolutely. Wisconsin golf, especially in the summer, is awesome. 
I, I was there for the first PGA in 04, and I've been back a couple of times. I mentioned it because Herb Kohler died today, the guy who built Whistling Straits. And, and I want to finish this segment by diving into something that's very near and dear to your heart. Peter Burns, on this sixth day of September, give me the top three golf courses that you have played. Uh, geez, top three. I'm going to go, number one, I'm going to go Kings Barnes over in Scotland. That's number one on my list. Number two is going to be Sand Valley outside of Wisconsin. Like, you got to fly into Madison. It's up there way, way north, and that's pretty good. And I played a place um, called the Dormy Club yes. up in North Carolina here outside of Pinehurst a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, I didn't even know this place existed, and it was incredible. So, I mean, it always depends, too, Scott, on how well you play on these courses. So I played well at all three of them, but – um, you know, I've been pretty blessed and, uh, I'm trying to, I want us to start some sec golf show where I could just set up shop in Charleston and just, uh, and call that headquarters and, uh, I'll come sleep on the couch and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, we'll go tour the uh, sec and, uh, and play some golf. PB, you hit the dormy club. You got to let me know before you go, brother. I've played it about 8 <laughs> billion times, man. Southern pines is anybody that's never been to Southern pines. That's uh, it's definitely on your list. If you're a golfer, he's Peter Burns, sec network, follow him on Twitter at Peter Burns, ESPN. PB, you're the man, bro. Appreciate your time. Later, Later buddy. See ya. All righty, it's Peter Burns, SEC Network. Follow him on Twitter at Peter Burns ESPN. Peter likes to golf. In case anybody didn't know, he really, really likes to golf. I would, I would be all for that show. Maybe they could throw a little work my way, you know, a little cheddar cheese for the effort. I would uh, connect them with a few places here or there. That's what I should have asked him. Peter, give me, give me that job. I want to co-host that show. Stick around more of the Scott Hamilton show to come.